For our text this morning, we'll take a portion of the Scripture reading, again found in Luke chapter 13, and we will read verses 10 through 13. Luke 13, 10 through 13. And he, speaking of Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had an infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she glorified, she, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The Word of God records many miracles that Jesus did. You know, there's many he performed that aren't contained in the Scriptures. The Bible tells us that, but many of the prominent miracles the Lord performed, we're thankful we have them recorded in the Word of God. But it seemed like often the case was that each time or any time the Lord performed a miracle, it would cause a certain amount of controversy among the hypocrites and the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. It was especially upsetting to them when Jesus performed a miracle on the Sabbath, and it really stirred up the hornet's nest when not only did he do it on the Sabbath, but he did it in the synagogue. That was something that they just didn't appreciate at all, and Jesus often broke the current rules, the Sabbath rules that they had imposed and set up. Of course, they had forgotten what the Sabbath was all about. It was a sign of liberation to God's people, but they had taken it and applied their own rules and regulations and actually had turned it into a burdensome thing. But the Lord often did miracles on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and he also let them know that not only was it lawful to do good on the Sabbath, but they had a moral obligation to do so. And this was one of those times when Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath in the synagogue. It says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. It doesn't tell us which synagogue, but it is important to note that Jesus thought it was important enough to be in his father's house on his father's day to honor his heavenly father. Of course, we could say that's equivalent to the New Testament Christians as worshiping the Lord on the Lord's day and in the Lord's house. We worship the Lord on Sunday, and we do that in commemoration of the Lord's resurrection. We know that Jesus also appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. We know the day of Pentecost fell on a Sunday. We have accounts where the early church gathered on the first day of the week. So that is why we, as New Testament Christians, often worship or set one day aside for a special time to be in the Lord's house to worship the Lord. But the principle was really the same. Jesus led by example, and he was teaching us it was important to be in the Lord's house and on the Lord's day. We know that Jesus actually began his public ministry in the synagogue. You read about that in Matthew and also in Luke. We know that as uh, John 
baptized Jesus in water. It says as he came up out of the water, it says that he was led away by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights as he fasted there, he was tempted of the devil. And as he overcame that temptation, he emerged from the wilderness. And it tells us in Luke 4, verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And the first place you find him in verse 15, it says and he, he taught in their synagogues. And it says he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. So this wasn't just something Jesus did every once in a while, but he set a, a pattern of worship for us. We know, too, that while he was in the synagogue, he was handed a book. He was handed the book of Isaiah. And these are the words that Jesus read that first time here in the synagogue. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says he closed the book and gave it to a minister and sat down and all eyes were on him. And then this is what he said. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So we can see really Jesus was launching his public ministry from the synagogue, being in God's house on God's day. Well, in this verse in our text here again, in verse 10, it says, and he was teaching on in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. You know, this is the last recorded time in scripture where we see Jesus entering the synagogue. This is the last time recorded in Scripture where we see him uh, teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. We know that the Lord was on his way to Calvary. He was headed to Jerusalem where in just a short time he would give his life on a cross. So I guess you could almost say what began as his public ministry in the synagogue in this account here seemed to be coming to an end. His earthly ministry was beginning to wind down and the door of opportunity for many was quickly closing. But Jesus wasn't the only one in the synagogue that day. It tells us in verse 11 that there was a woman who was also there on that day in the synagogue. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. There's a lot we don't know about this woman. We don't know what her name was. We don't know her age. We don't know what kind of background she came from. But we do know a few things about her because the Word of God tells us it says she had a spirit of infirmity. She had suffered for 18 long years. She was crooked and bowed together. She couldn't straighten herself out. It says she could in no wise, uh, says she couldn't, says she couldn't straighten up herself. She couldn't lift up herself. She couldn't fix her problem. And we know Jesus even says in verse 16 that it was Satan who had her bound. You know, what's amazing is that in spite of all of these things that seem to be working against her, all these obstacles in her way, she made it a point to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. 
You know, I suppose if anyone had a legitimate reason for missing church, it certainly would have been this poor woman, but there was something in her that compelled her to be in God's house on his day. We consider her condition. It says she was, or she had a spirit of infirmity. Of course, we know that not every infirmity, not every affliction is a result of a spiritual problem that's not even biblical. You know, God's people often, for whatever reason, many different reasons, they have afflictions at times and they can uh, suffer sicknesses and things. That is no indication that there's a spiritual issue in their lives. Job was a perfect man, and look at the things he suffered. We know, too, some, some medical conditions are very easily curable. If they're diagnosed properly, it can be as something as as simple as a hormonal imbalance or a chemical imbalance. So uh, a lot of these things can be easily treated. It could be something hereditary. Many different reasons why people have infirmities. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So certainly not all of these afflictions or infirmities are related to a spiritual issue. But in this woman's case, we see it's possible there was a connection there. It says she had a spirit of infirmity, and Jesus himself said it was the devil who had her bound for 18 years. We have no indication that she was possessed by the devil. There's nothing that would indicate that or any reason to believe that, but she was certainly oppressed by the devil. That's the devil's job. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy and certainly for 18 long years, this poor woman had been bound in this position. She was bent the wrong way, facing the wrong direction. Can you imagine what her life must have been like every day? Imagine waking up and never seeing a sunrise. In Portland, sometimes you think maybe there won't be a sunrise, but thank the Lord when there is, we can see it. But this woman was in a position where uh, obviously she couldn't see a sunrise the first thing when she would wake up in the morning. She had to identify people by their feet or by their sandals that they wore instead of their faces. You know, she would go through the day. The first thing her gaze would fall upon would be the ground, walking around looking at the dirt and the cracks and the sidewalks and the pavement, unable to lift her face to heaven. What a miserable existence. 18 years she was bound in that position. You know, one old commentary said this, it is always Satan's business wherever he can to bow down the souls of men to the earth. And that's the position this poor woman found herself in. We know she was powerless to do anything about it. Verse 11 says she could in no wise lift up herself. She couldn't straighten herself up. No matter how great her effort there seemed to be this impossible chain or cord that had her bound and bowed over and, and facing the ground in a downward position. You could say she was burdened, bound, bent, and helpless. But the good news is her story doesn't end there. She may have been helpless, but she wasn't hopeless. You know, in verse 12, it tells us, it says, And when Jesus saw her, it says, when Jesus saw her, out of all the people in the synagogue that day, it says, Jesus 
saw her. He saw a lot of people, but he saw her in a special way. You know, Jesus saw her in the same way that he saw that man uh, laying by the pool of Bethesda. In John 5, we read about that account. It says, for 38 years he had this infirmity and he lay there by that pool. It says Jesus knew he had been a long time in that case. Jesus knew all about that man's condition. Knew how long he had suffered and he saw him there. He saw her in the same way that he saw that man who was born blind in John 9. Of course, his disciples had their own assumptions and opinions as to why he was in that situation. They said, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? Of course, Jesus quickly straightened out that faulty thinking. He said, neither this man or his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest to him. Jesus knew about that man from the moment he was born till the moment he showed up. He saw this man. He saw where he was. Well, Jesus saw this woman that day in the synagogue. You know, true to the Lord's mission statement, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison doors to those who were bound. Jesus said, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but those that are sick. That's why he saw this woman that day. Jesus was fulfilling his mission. He was doing what he came to do. But you know, he didn't just see her. It tells us in verse 12, And when he saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. He not only saw her, but he called her. He touched her, he delivered her, and he set her free. You know, Jesus always does his part. It says he called her, but she had a role to play in this whole process. She had to respond when he called. You know, through faith and obedience, she had to step forward. That must have taken quite a bit of effort, you think, in her condition, but she had to respond. She had to be willing to get close enough to Jesus where he could actually touch her. But we know, again, once she did her part, the Lord did his part. It says, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You know, Jesus always comes into personal contact with everyone he saves. He doesn't delegate that work to somebody else. He does it himself, personally. And we all know, those who've been saved and delivered, we know the day the Lord touched us. It wasn't a physical touch, but it was a very real, definite touch. Nonetheless, and Jesus touched this woman that day. One old-time theologian said he's ready to lay his healing and fetter-breaking hand upon all who will accept his invitation. So the Lord saw this woman, and he called her, but she had to respond. She had to come. Of course, we see the results. It says immediately she was made straight. Immediately. You know, when the Lord touches somebody, delivers somebody, it isn't a process. It isn't something that uh, is worked out over time. It's immediate and definite and instantaneous. When the Lord breaks those chains, he breaks every one of them in a moment of time. 
She didn't have to go through another 18 years of physical therapy or going to the chiropractor. The Lord, when He does a work, He does a complete work. You know, when the Lord delivers, He does it completely, instantaneously. You don't have to go through a 12-step program. You don't have to check yourself into a recovery program. When the Lord delivers, He delivers instantly. You don't have to keep going to the methadone clinic. When the Lord delivers, He delivers completely, instantly, and He does a perfect job. Well, the moment the Lord touched this woman, she was delivered. It also tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for this woman 2,000 years ago, he can do today. He can deliver instantly in a moment of time. You know, you might read an account like this, and it's a wonderful story, but you might wonder, well, how is this story relevant to us today? I mean, it would almost seem like this situation was something that was maybe unique to this woman. But you know, we have more in common with this woman than we may realize. It says that this woman was bound. Well, at some point and some time in our life, all of us were bound. And if you haven't been saved and delivered from your sins, if you haven't been born again, you're still bound. This woman was bound. You know, she had a condition that it seemed to develop later, but we are born with a condition. That's a sin condition. And that condition causes us to be bound and bent, if you will, and uh, headed in the wrong direction. You know, people say man is inherently good. Oh, no, they're not. God's Word says just the opposite. It tells us, Because of Adam and Eve, we know because of that sin when they disobeyed God and rebelled in that garden, that perfect sinless nature that they once possessed was corrupted. When sin entered in and it was defiled and that sin nature is passed down to us, it's part of our spiritual DNA if you might uh, consider that. But So we're born with a condition. Psalm 51.5 says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know this woman was powerless to straighten herself up. She could in no wise lift up herself. Well, we know in our own strength, we're powerless to straighten ourselves up. You know, no matter how hard we may try, no matter how great the effort, we can't rescue ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't unbind ourselves. We can't fix a problem that is inherent. Billy Graham gave an analogy one time, and I thought it was very good. He said, you can take a pig, and you can go out in the old pig pen. You can pull him out of his wallow and his mire. You can take him inside your house, and you can put him in the bathtub and scrub him up. Make him clean. You can put perfume on him, put a bow around his neck. Give him a place at the table. Let him sit by you on the living room couch. He'll be perfectly content. But he says, the minute you open up that door, that pig's going to go right back out to the old pig pen. He's going to wallow in that mud and get filthy all over again because his nature's never been changed. You can clean up the outside. You can 
uh, perfume them up, make them smell good, but a pig is a pig. Well, sinners are sinners. What do sinners do? They sin. They commit sin. They can't help it because it's an inherent part of their nature. And we, just like this woman, were helpless to do anything about that condition on our own. She was helpless in her own strength, and so are we. But she wasn't helpless. She wasn't hopeless, nor are we. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus can change your very nature. You know, this very same Jesus that was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, that same Jesus who called this woman and touched her and delivered her and saved her and set her free is the same Jesus that's here today. It says he came to bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are captive. You know, maybe you're here this morning or you're listening in and maybe you're bound. You know, it could be any number of things, really. Of course, if you're bound by sin, that's the worst bondage of all. I suppose it could be a physical infirmity or maybe it's something that no one else can even see. You know, people can be bound by attitudes. People can be bound by things like unforgiveness and bitterness, resentment, worry, fear, doubt, pride. Pride will bring you low. Pride will bind yet more than anything else. Pride is the one thing God hates the most. Many people are bound by pride, and it keeps them from seeking the help they need and seeking the one uh, whom they need to seek after for that help. But you know, the Lord can deliver. You know, Jesus sees you this morning. He knows right where you are. The Lord knows what it is that has you bound. He knows how long you've been bound by that thing. Could have been 18 years, could be 20 years, could be 30 years. You know, the length of time makes no difference to the Lord. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to liberate you. He wants to break those uh, those things that have you bound. He wants to uh, loosen you from your infirmity. And the Lord wants to do it today. That's why He came. That's what His purpose was for coming, to seek and save those who are lost, those who are bound, those who are afflicted. You know, if He's calling you this morning, it would behoove you to respond What a shame to go to all the effort to come to God's house and to have the Lord's Spirit speak to your heart, to have Him call after you, to have Him offer you freedom and deliverance and to turn around and leave in that same bowed-over, bent, and bound condition. Imagine what would have happened to that poor woman if she would have turned around and shuffled out the door. She was so close, she had to go just that little extra distance. But when she did, the Lord rewarded her for that, for her faith. The Lord wants to do the same. You know, when the Lord calls you, you want to do what this woman did. You want to respond. You want to come when he calls you. You want to drop to your knees If the Lord is dealing with your heart, humble yourself this morning. Put yourself in a place where Jesus can touch you. If you're willing to do that, you know what? You can leave this place the same way that woman left that synagogue. 
It says immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. After 18 years of being bound, she was straightened out in a moment of time, set free. Can you imagine what a thrill she must have felt that day? You know, I thought, what a glorious way to start the new year. If you're here and you're bound this morning, as we approach this new year, the Lord can set you free. Don't waste your time on those New Year's resolutions that you don't really have any intention of keeping anyway. Don't struggle to turn over a new leaf. Let Jesus set you free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And you can be confident. The one who has the power to loose you and set you free and deliver you has the power to keep you. It tells us, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jesus is here this morning, a great liberator. You're in the right place. You're in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. If he's inviting you to come, come. Accept his invitation. The Lord can set you free. If the Lord has uh, made you free, thank the Lord for that. Glorify God. Thank the Lord that he's, he's set you free. Whatever you need, the Lord is here to meet your needs. If you'll humble yourself, let's come seek the Lord. The song is 638. These altars are open.